Not too long ago, we wondered if our solar system was rare, perhaps even unique, for all the planets in it. Today we know of lots of exoplanets, planets orbiting other stars, and astronomers are finding more and more. So one big question is whether any of these exoplanets are Earth-like, and maybe even capable of hosting life, or indeed already hosting it. We really do require atmosphere measurements to try to understand the surface temperature of the planet and whether there are any gases in the atmosphere that might be attributed to life. So atmospheres is the way to go, and it will take time. On this episode of the American Scientist podcast, an interview with Sarah Seeger, an astrophysicist and planetary scientist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. We talked about the mission of TESS, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite. I'm Robert Frederick. When a planet passes in front of its parent star, as seen from our point of view, it blocks some of the star's light. Astronomers can detect such a transiting planet by tracking periodic dips in the intensity of the star's light as the planet orbits its star. In the September-October 2018 special issue on big data and astrophysics, Sarah Seeger writes about what's next for finding other Earth-like worlds. That's the mission of TESS, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, which launched earlier this year. Being a member of that mission, Seeger was also at the launch. I spoke with her about TESS's mission via telephone. And finally, it's the countdown. And it literally is the countdown, just like the movies. The 10, 9, 8, going down to launch. And it was an absolutely spectacular launch, a perfectly cloudless, blue sky day. And SpaceX rocket went off and the plume was so bright. It was just absolutely exciting. Surprisingly, it's exciting because test the spacecraft that myself and colleagues had been working on for so long was up there in that rocket, you know, the very tippy top of it, waiting to get into its orbit. Had you seen a launch before or was this your first one? Yes, I've seen a few launches and my kids have seen a few as well. But funnily enough, they'd forgotten about it. I mean, like I'd taken them to these launches before. But I think they were young enough that they just didn't remember. But this one they'll remember. So I've seen about three or four launches, but it's special when it's your own project. Given all the interest in TESS's data and the accessibility of it, eventually even to the public, I understand, are there particular projects that your colleagues are undertaking that you'll be following? Well, there's so much excitement for TESS because it's going to be churning out a lot of data. And so we will all be following each other's work, people spread all around the world. We'll get together at conferences and other venues to see what each other's doing. So in terms of that data, what makes TESS different than Kepler, the planetary searching satellite that NASA launched nine years ago, 2009? Well, what's different between TESS and Kepler is that Kepler focused on one part of the sky that's relatively distant in terms of our nearby stars. So the Kepler stars are typically thousands of light years away. TESS has purposely decided to look at stars that are much closer on the order of tens or hundreds of light years away. Still very far, of course, but relatively closer. And the difference is that the stars are brighter because they're closer, which enables us to do many different types of follow-up measurements, including measuring the planet mass with different telescopes on the ground. So what we're looking forward to is having bright stars that are amenable to lots of different follow-up observations. And how many stars will TESS be surveying? And of those, 
how many are likely to be ones that you'll be interested in taking a further look at? Well, TESS will be surveying 200,000 stars in detail and millions of other stars with less detail. We expect to find thousands of planets and everybody out there, all the exoplanet astronomers, everyone has their own set of favorite planets. What makes the cut then for you? What data tells you data of a planet transiting its star that you want to examine that data some more or that star some more? Well, there's so many planets I think would be interesting. But for me, the main thing I'm interested in is looking at the exoplanet atmospheres using Hubble Space Telescope or hopefully James Webb Space Telescope to learn out more about the planet. And that's what interests me the most, also coming in many different categories. So you are thinking of this project in two parts. One is having the first pass of all the data and getting it out to the various teams working on that. And second, follow up and focus of your own research lab, your own particular interests, studying the data from TESS and hoping for data from future telescopes for those exoplanets and their atmospheres? That's right. The TESS team is made of hundreds of people or more, people who've worked on building the spacecraft, on the software to communicate to the spacecraft, who are doing operations, communications. And then there's hundreds of more scientists who will be using the data. So TESS is really, although it's centered at NASA and MIT, it's really a worldwide project that lots of people will be involved with for years to come. My official role on the project is to get the planet candidate list delivered out to the community so everyone can follow up their favorite planets of interest. But my more professional goals for myself are, yes, to look at atmospheres and try to understand way more about the planets than the test data will let us. So with Kepler and now with TESS, it doesn't sound like there'll be enough data about these exoplanets to get a good idea about what these atmospheres look like. You'll have to wait for the James Webb Space Telescope. Right, right, right. You should think of TESS and Kepler as planet-finding machines. They find planets. They don't do much else, actually. So if you want to learn more about the planet, its mass or its atmosphere, it requires a different set of telescopes. For most planets, especially the smaller ones, we'll have to get above the blurring effects of Earth's atmosphere and use space telescopes to look at the exoplanet atmospheres. Regarding life, the possibility of finding signatures of life in these exoplanet atmospheres, along with TESS's data and the addition of knowing a planet's mass, is that enough or is it really a question of waiting a few more years until we've got all the tools we need? It's really a question of waiting a few more years till we have all the tools we need. For Think about it for a moment. Our planet Earth and our so-called sister planet Venus are about the same mass, about the same size. They're differing distances from our sun, but with any planet-finding technique we have available today to find those planets, we wouldn't know the difference between them. We really do require atmosphere measurements to try to understand the surface temperature of the planet and whether there are any gases in the atmosphere that might be attributed to life. So atmospheres is the way to go, and it will take time. Now, I understand that TESS's mission plan is for two years. Is that enough time to really take a look at all these stars to find Earth-like planets? Well, the TESS goal is to have literally what we'll call a legacy catalog. (laughs) We'll have a catalog of all the very best planets around nearby bright stars, and that's the goal for TESS. So it does have a two-year mission, and that is enough to reach our goal of, TESS actually has a very specific goal to find 50 planets, five zero, 50 planets, 50 small planets with sizes between one and four Earth radii that also have measured masses. So we'll have enough time to do our goal, but you're right in pointing out we want to do way more. And so we do hope that once we're finished the prime mission, that NASA will extend TESS's timeframe for years to come so we can keep looking. 
And with that short time frame of two years and looking at 200,000 stars, how long will you be looking at each of these stars, looking for a transit? And is that long enough time to look at stars like our sun? So TESS has a special focus of small red dwarf stars. Like TESS will be looking at all stars that are there. I mean, TESS will be delivering what we call full frame images, images of every star in its field of view. And those stars are all types, M dwarf stars, red dwarf stars, sun-like stars, and all kinds. But TESS is optimized for a very specific type of star, and that is a red dwarf star. There are stars that are much smaller than our sun, half the size to even 10% the size of our sun, and they're also very red. So TESS's cameras are red sensitive. And these planets, when we're thinking about looking for planets that might support life, the planet has to be the right distance from the star so as to be not too hot, not too cold, but just right for life. Now, our Earth is in that position with respect to our sun, but our Earth has a one-year period. And you'd have to look at a sun-like star for a couple of years, two to three years, to see an Earth transit more than once. These M-dwarf stars are very special, however, because the so-called habitable zone, where the planet is the right temperature, is quite close to the star. And based on Kepler's third law, the closer a planet is to a star, the faster it goes around. And so the planets will be that we're looking for, that we're most excited about, will be zipping around their stars, their year, the time it takes to go around the star would be more like two weeks rather than a year. We can't have everything, unfortunately. You know, you can't look at the whole sky all the time. (laughs) So the test strategy for now, anyway, for the two years of the prime mission is to look at a giant strip of the sky that's going from nearly the pole down to the equator. And each of these strips, TESS will look at for one month. And once it's finished one month, then TESS will move on to the next strip, tiling the sky first the southern hemisphere in the first year and the northern hemisphere in the second year. There'll be some overlap at the poles, however. So the focus for TESS in terms of the small planets that could be close enough to the star to be heated by the star to not too hot, not too cold, but just right for life, those are mostly suited around M-dwarf stars where the planets would have orbital periods of about a month. Sarah Seeger, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sarah Seeger is an astrophysicist and planetary scientist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, focusing on theoretical models of atmospheres and interiors of all kinds of exoplanets, as well as novel space science missions. You can read her article, What's Next for Finding Other Earth-like Worlds, in the September-October 2018 special issue on Big Data and Astrophysics. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist Magazine, published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. I'm Robert Frederick. Thank you for joining us.